This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hey, this is Jesse. Hey, I'm Craig Godsmark from Audio Realms. Uh, we do science fiction, fantasy, and horror uh, audiobooks, including Dark Realms Audio, which is a very graphic audio um, product, and Dark Desires Audio, which is our new paranormal romance line. We do those as well as um, classic science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Yeah, what's, what's up with all the paranormal romance? Is this, does this stuff sell? Uh, it's money. <laughs> really? It's, it's yeah, it, it's the biggest selling genre right now uh, that's out there uh, by far. Um, it's probably six or seven times bigger than horror. Um, as I don't far understand as this. It, it, are you saying you make money on this, not just somebody else is making money? The only reason I'm doing it is because other people were making money, and they were, when we were approached to pick up the paranormal romance line, I wasn't really big on it, and because I said, look, I do horror, and I, it was put to me, it's just like, look, paranormal romance is just horror without the teeth, so... Uh, <laughs> it's horror with it. the lips. Exactly. <laughs> or, or, or a, kiss, a kiss without the teeth, I guess. Wow. Um, so we've, st- we've produced a, a few right now. I think we've got four out, and they're selling really, really well. And we've got oh. another dozen that are coming out in the next. By the end of November, we'll have another dozen of them out. It must be like, um, you know, it's it's just I, I just don't understand it because I uh, I mean I like a li- I like a couple of things that here and there, but if I if I had to uh, read it a lot, I think I might have to away with myself because it's it's not my cup of tea so there's there there's an audience out there do you have any idea who who it is uh, surprisingly enough it's uh, i guess i'll qualify it by saying i i can't read the romance stuff at all but the material we're picking up is, is mostly paranormal and very paranormal and so much of it now doesn't have that much romance in it that when I'm listening to it, as, I, as I'm doing any mastering or editing to it, I find that I'm listening to, listening to parts of the story. Um, my business partner does a lot of the checking, where he has to listen to it from start to finish. Um, he actually will say to me, that was a good story on quite a few of them now, which is really surprising. <laughs> but the biggest surprising thing is, is, and this is from what I've got from talking to people, but it's mostly from what I've got from the demographics from publishers, is it's more, um, the paranormal part of the romance is more um, professional women, um, women that are in their 30s to mid-40s to 50s seems to be the biggest demographic. Um, it's not the, and I'm not saying this in a bad way, but it used to be the housewife at home reading you know, the Harlequin romances. I don't know how many of those are left. I, that that might be the the issue is is that there are you know audiobooks are becoming more popular because there aren't that many housewives at home. They're they're all on the road headed to work. We go into a grocery store and look at the um, the book section, and it's ninety percent romance still. Um, and believe me, I go into a lot of grocery stores to look because it, it being part of our business now. Yeah, I, ne- uh, I guess that. Yeah, I never. I I don't go in there looking to see what other people are reading. I go in there looking for specific stuff. So 
Now I might have to just do that and see see what you know. This is a gestalt of what the what people want. Assuming assuming that we're not being led astray, right? By by what's on the shelves. This is what people want. So that yeah. that's a you know you want to know what what sells. Go look at the supermarket racks and see. And, and, yeah, and we've been looking at it long enough now because it, you know they're merchandise, so they're changed constantly. You mm-hmm. know, weekly they change what's in there. And it's always, you know, 90% romance um, in them. Um, actually, the other day, there were two Richard Lehman titles in with the romances, which um, kind of surprised me. Um, it was nice to see it, but it, it just surprised me because it was right in with the romances. So I'm, I'm guessing somebody's made a mistake or they're just starting to sell and they needed the space. Um, uh, you've, got a, you've got at least a couple of those, don't you, the Richard Lehman titles? Yeah, we've got Traveling Vampire Show is out right now, and we've got um, Flesh. Will I, as a matter of fact, I got the last chapter of Flesh um, FTP'd to me last night, and then we've got um, the Seller is just in final listening, so it'll be released within the week. And Friday Night at the Beast House is about three to four weeks off. It it's recorded, but it's just further down on the list before it gets edited. Uh, he's uh, he's straight horror, right? I've never read uh, uh, Richard Lehman. I, I've read about Richard Lehman uh, quite a lot, but I've never read one. No, he's horror and thriller, actually. Like, The Traveling Vampire Show, for example, is more of a thriller, and it's more of a coming-of-age that's just, that's just written maybe a little bit more graphic. Um, it's more like um, uh, Stand By Me. Okay. It, it's, it's about... Um, uh, three teenage kids that are trying to get into this traveling vampire show that's supposed to be coming to town, and they're 17 and have to be 18 to get in. <laughs> and it becomes going in. Yes, there's some horror and thriller that comes to it, um, but not as much as you think. But then he does um, Dark Mountain, which I just read by him, which is truly just a thriller, and it's really good. Um, but And they all fit in for, for what we're doing. We, we still put it under our dark realms because it, it still manages. And, um, you know, because you don't actually know in a lot of his books whether it's, you know, um, a being doing it or a human being doing it. Hmm. So it, it still fits in for us. And, and I love his writing. I'm going to have to check one of those out. Listen to some of the audiobooks. Yeah, uh, you sent you sent us a stack, and we're gonna have to, to go through some of them. The one the one I'm listening to right now is um, the second Robert E. Howard collection, um, "People of the Dark." Oh, and um, are you enjoying it? I am. Uh, the second the second the first story uh, was it a Conan story? I can't remember. Or not uh, uh, the title story. I think is the first story, isn't it? "People of the Dark." Uh, yeah, the title story. I generally try and put at the beginning. Um, yeah, it, you know what? I remember now. It's a Conan story in the sense that it has a guy named Conan in it, but it's not the Robert E. Howard Conan Conan. It's another yeah, Robert E. Howard Conan. <laughs> yeah, he dreams he's Conan. That's right. And yeah. and I, I've see, I've read the adaptation a couple of times in uh, different Conan comics, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's so, sort of a little bit confusing but yeah he dreams he's conan the, the main character is it's sort of set in the modern era of when it was written and the main character dreams he's conan but it's it's like a celtic conan rather than uh, uh sumerian conan 
Yeah, very much so. It's still a good story, though. It I is really a good know. story. Yeah, um, it's it's got a lot of the elements that uh, you know he has in the other stuff, but it's uh, you know the sort of the devolving um, uh, underground dwellers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there you're talking about old movies before we started. There's a good old movie for you, Chud. Uh, what is that? Oh um, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> urban underground dweller or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, c- city uh, habitating underground. I even remember the cover like for that. that. The manhole cover just right. lifting up. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, uh, some sort of troglodytic people in the city from too much radiation or whatever. Yeah, well, well when I was younger, I dated into that family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a real um, um, horror, old horror movie nut and a B movie nut. So um, I have tons of movies like that um, that I might be the only person that likes them. But, it, but that's okay. No, it's it's just it, it, there. Yeah, they do play them on television because people are up at night watching them, and uh, you're not the only one who likes them. Uh, actually, yeah. I, I think I saw on your list. Um, when we talked about on a recent podcast, uh, uh, you have Bram Stoker's Layer of the White Worm. Yes. Uh, which is a, a very bizarrely cool movie uh, as well. Yeah, it's funny. You know, uh, an, an 18 or 19-year-old Hugh Grant. <laughs> is that how young he is? I mean, he looks young in it, but... He, he can't, I'm guessing he is. He, can't, he doesn't look much older than that. <laughs> I no, mean, he, it was done in the early 70s, so... Was it? I thought I thought it was eighties. I thought it was late eighties. Well, maybe it was. Um, I can't remember. I remember searching for it though. I saw part of the movie once late at night, and I actually searched and ended up buying a used copy off eBay. Mm-hmm. So I actually have it on DVD, and I watched the whole thing through. And the scariest part about the whole thing is the song that they play at the end. They have kind of this. Oh, block. it's wonderful, isn't it? It go yeah. I'll watch the movie and it'll go through my head for days. <laughs> it's it's a it's a yeah. Actually, it's on YouTube. I'll I'll post a link up to that. Um, <laughs> it's it's a ballad, right? It's a ballad of the story. Yeah, the dancing worm. Uh, <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I just love stuff like that. So, um, is my I just watched the other day. Um, I was just actually away last week, and I watched um, the Last Man on Earth, which to me is the best version of I Am Legend. It's the most uh, accurate version. Yeah, and it's because it has Vincent Price in it. And as a matter of fact, while I was waiting for this to come up, I actually I just um, bought a new autographed picture of Vincent Price, which I was just hanging this morning as well. Um, is doing um, while well, I was doing editing. I have all black and white old horror movie pictures up through my whole studio. That's kind of the theme. Um, well, well no, you you should check out our older podcast. I've got a I've got a picture of Vincent Price nobody else has. Oh, very cool. Posted. Um, what I've been threatened with is um, one of the guys that did some voice work for me used to work for Mel Blanc Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, obviously, you know who Mel Blanc is. Sure, he's the uh, he's basically every every Warner Brothers cartoon character. Exactly, but uh, a while back. Um, and it was in the early 70s. Um, they took Vincent Price, Jack Palance, and um, it'll come to me as I'm talking. Vincent Price, Jack Palance, oh, and uh, Kirk Douglas. And they did a bunch of 10-minute horror stories that they narrated that were never aired. Oh. 
And this guy is threatening to send them to me because he, he was the recording engineer for this. And then they never put them out. And he was oh. asking Noel Blank, who, who owns the studio now, about it. And Noel said, as far as I'm concerned, you were the recording engineer. You own them. Wow. So we're talking about putting um, these things out. I've only heard some snippets, but... There's an audiobook. There's an audiobook right there. Short audiobook everybody would want to listen to. Oh, man. I'd, I'd, I'd kill just to have them. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm threatening to um, give them my firstborn son. But, uh, <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> no, that, I don't want all that responsibility. Give me something I want. <laughs> he said he'll take them once I finish paying for university. <laughs> Is his name Rumpelstiltskin, your friend? <laughs> Unfortunately, not. <laughs> There'd even be hope because he'd negotiate them. Mm, right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, anyways, I, I love old stuff. That's, that's why you get a lot of the classic stuff out of us. Well, I appreciate it. That's uh, I think you know. There's a lot more gold to be mined in the old stuff than there is in the new stuff. Um, but yeah, you do a you do a quite an interesting mix of old and new. Um, you've got you've got a contract with Dorchester, is that right? Yes. Um, and Dorchester is uh, famous to me mostly for its um, hard case crime uh, line, which uh, they they I was a big fan of in paperback but i i think if i understand the dorchester story about they were talking about going all ebook i think that was only a temporary thing they had a printer problem or something is that right um actually no and that that's a big misconception and you know i tried to stay out of the middle of all this but i do speak up from time to time they were never ever going to go all ebook. Yeah, that's it, that. That was a misunderstanding, and that it was they they had some problem, so that they were going to publish ebook first and then go to paperback. But there was going to be this time lag between uh, when they when they were current and yeah, they're they're going to trade paperback. Ah, they're already starting to gear up towards it, and it's my understanding. So don't take this date as, as gospel because you're getting it secondhand, but it's my understanding starting in January January 1st, all their products, or a, a good majority of them, are going to be available um, again. They're already starting to gear up for the printing. Um, I had a conversation with um, Tim DeYoung at Dorchester just a couple of days ago because obviously with our deal we have a lot of things going and it's yeah. very handy what's being produced. Um so it, it, the plan was always to go trade paperback. Um, it was just getting everything geared up properly. So that's all actually all in place. And, it's, it, you know, I, I've always been supportive and, and felt that it, it was going to go through that way. And as of the meeting this week, I, I, 100%, I mean, it's, you know, everything's kind of come together. So unless, you know, we have an act of God or Cthulhu, um, <laughs> we're going through with it. Okay. Well, that, I, I have no problem with the trade paperback size, except it's they tend to be more expensive, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I don't know how the pricing is going to affect things, but on the same token, with the amount of backlist and titles and everything they have, I'm thinking they've got to be getting a good deal. But I, I don't know that for Presumably, a fact. So you may not see them as bad as like a small company. Like if I were to start doing um, print books and went to trade paperbacks, it would be very expensive for me. But they have so many titles, so um, you know they may they may be getting a deal cut. Got it. 
Well, uh, we're not here to talk about paper paper books, anyways. Um, I'm I'm I, I mostly read. Uh, if I'm going to read a paper book, it's it's probably going to be something that's never going to be an audiobook, uh, just because it's you know it's not old enough to be public domain, or it's a picture book of some kind, or it's a nonfiction technical book. But um, uh, you're you're doing a lot of the older stuff, like the uh, I've got a copy of uh, Algernon Blackwood's The Empty House and other ghost stories here. Um, what I like about this is this is the in, is this the entire book uh, that was originally published as The Empty House and other ghost stories? Because mostly, yeah, most people have just one or two stories picked out, and um, they put that in a collection of other stuff. Right. It's my understanding it's the whole one. Um, I got the rights to it through Wildside Press, and they're really big on on putting it the way it was. Mm-hmm. So it is my understanding. Um, we're uh, There's a second collection that we're looking at doing right now of Algernon Blackwood as well, and I, I love Algernon Blackwood's stuff. Yeah, he's, he's, he's creepy. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I dream vampires and werewolves and horrible things. I mean, that's normal for me. And, you know, nothing, nothing bothers me, you know, like that. And when we first decided to do it, I took the manuscript and went and sat out on my, sat out on my back deck, which is overlooked bush and then down to a river. And then I just got these little moon ray lights. And all I did was clip a little um, light on, on top of my book and started reading. And I read um, A Haunted Island, which I realized I had read when I was a kid. And I looked over my shoulder, which I never did. <laughs> um, so that just told me that it was the right thing to do. Yeah, that sounds right. Last uh, week we had uh, um, uh, Wayne June on, and um, we were talking about him him working with you. And I'm just looking at the list here. Uh, he's Mr. Creepy, uh, Mr. Creepy yeah. Voice. And um, actually this morning, I think uh, right before I called you, I, I was thinking um, – there's a title I'd like you guys to uh, do together, um, and I think he might be a good voice for it. Um, what about what about some Jack London? My, my one of my favorite novels is The Call of the Wild, and I know everybody's done a copy of this, um, but it's it's a it's a short book, it's a great book, and it's a very well a, a very good book to to read aloud. It's got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, there's actually not that much dialogue, uh, just a a few lines between a few of the humans, um, but those lines of dialogue are great, and the rest of it is is uh, a great story. What, have you read Call of the Wild? I assume you have. Oh Lord, yes, God, that's just such. If somebody hasn't read Call of the Wild, they've got a hole in their soul because they, that just fills a part of you. It, it's an incredible book. It is. Uh, and I, I love to do it. There are books that I'd love to do, and it's something that um, is part of the plan for Audio Realms more in the future. Mm-hmm. It's when people have done a lot of books, as much as I'd like to do them, it's a question of economics right yeah. now. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not probably a great idea to do another public domain book that everybody else has done, um, unless you can, you know, bring bring something, you know, some sort of marketing angle to it that would break it out. I mean, it's not, it's not paranormal rants. We're not going to, we're not going to change that by changing the title or something. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think there's a single love scene in that whole book. <laughs> yeah. 
probably it's, best. It's, probably best. Yeah, as we as we grow, and and we can talk in a bit if you want about you know what we kind of have planned for for horror and nice. everything else. But as we get going and we're more of a destination for places, that's when we can start doing more labor of loves again because people are already coming to our, you know, coming to our site and, and looking for our material. And when they do, if they see, oh, here's Call of the Wild by Audio Realms. And yeah, I'll throw that in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why we did Lair of the White Worm instead of Dracula. Well, I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad that you did. I mean, that's exactly the reason. I, I One of the reasons I started the... Uh, SFF Audio Challenge, the, the which is basically my way of saying, here's a bunch of stuff you guys should record instead of instead of uh, the same Dracula and Frankenstein over and over again. I mean, Dracula and Frankenstein are wonderful stories, oh, and are. War of the Worlds is too. But we don't need another version. We got ten thousand different versions of it, and I and some good versions too. Yeah, but. and you know, it's just like we already heard those six or seven times. Everybody, right? The people who haven't. I- Fine. I get approached every few months about somebody will come to me a voice and say, "I'd like to do Dracula. Will you publish it?" No, and, and then I would say, <laughs> "No." <laughs> you know, this is what I charge if you want me to produce an audiobook for you, but just to produce something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't. And but but I always give them an alternative. I'll say, "I have these things coming up." Um, you know, if you're interested in doing something classic, I'd be happy to do this. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're looking, that's, that's why we ended up doing Algernon Blackwood and Clark Ashton Smith, because they hadn't been done. Well, you, you were also one of the first, I guess this is the explanation as to why, um, it's okay. Um, you did a ton of H.B. Lovecraft. Um, and, and one of the reasons that was okay, because now it's been done to death, really, is because you were one of the first to do it, right? That, that was actually, um, to go in there and actually produce whole collections of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft that were really um, comprehensive rather than just picking out, you know, uh, two or three of the, the major stories that people know the names of. Right. Um, so is that your defense on, because that'd be my defense of, of doing H.P. Lovecraft versus, because, you know, really now he's, everybody's doing H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, well, yeah, we had two things. Number one, it, when we started it, he wasn't really in the public domain, although that's always been argued. Um, but we had made a, 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 a deal with his estate, which was giving us a good up on doing it. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, I have just a ton of H.P. Lovecraft. I've got over 100 titles. Wow. Uh, of, you of stories. Yeah. And what I'd like to do, actually, is eventually hit Lovecraft collection number 13. That was my goal. Um, when, and then, you know, we, we were originally were negotiating with Gene Simmons from KISS to do them. Um, we were going to do a joint project, but, um, it wasn't able really to come together. Um, and that's when I actually, when I met Wayne and I gave Wayne a piece of Lovecraft to do. And I thought, my God, you know, this is absolutely perfect. So, you know, that was the partnership that we started. And then when Wayne was, you know, was sick and wasn't able to do stuff for a while, um, you know, we stopped. We got to, we started. Volume um, six is the last one on the list here. As far as right. I can and think. we started seven, but we couldn't finish it. So now we're just talking about picking up and going on again. Um, now that Wayne's back up and working again. Oh, good. Um, because there is nobody better to do it. Um, we got a quote from S.T. Yoshi. Um, are you familiar with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. He's uh Lovecraft scholar. 
Right. And um, I don't have it in front of me. I wish I did. But it was something along the lines of, you know, Lovecraft has been done in many um, in many forms by many people and in audio, including Roddy McDowell and David McCallum. But it's never been done right until Audio Realm did it with Wayne June. It's true. Um, it, it was a lot bigger of a quote than that, and that, those aren't the exact words, but to me, that nothing meant more than that. Well, it, it, but, it, you know, he's, he's not wrong. That's the thing is, is um, what put me, what put Audio Realms on the map for me at all was, was hearing that and just saying, wow, this is not just another little rinky-dink audiobook publisher who's doing uh, what I, well, what I assumed was mostly public domain material. Um, it's somebody who's you know says uh, let's actually find a good narrator and match them with uh, what is some really great stories, uh, or uh, sorry, a great narrator. He is fantastic at what he does. It's it's amazing. He's the only person that's as anal about sound as I am. That's why we get along so well. Well, uh, let's let's clarify that anal about recording audiobooks. We've got a, a bad connection here, but that's not typical of your recordings. Your recordings are <laughs> nice and clear, crystal clear. So thank you. <laughs> I, I will just clarify that for the audience who's saying, "What are you talking about?" Your anal about and listen to this quality. No. Um, let's let's talk about some of the other stuff. You got actually. Um, I mean, you say you're horror, and you got paranormal romance, but you've got quite a few science fiction titles, or uh, at least um, a, a few. You've got uh, science fiction, the, the best of the year. That that'd be through um, uh, not through Dorchester, but through the other one, the Wild Side, right? Wild Side. That was through Wild Side, yeah. Okay, um, you've got some Marion Zimmer Bradley and some Andre Norton, uh-huh. and H. Uh, Beam Piper, the the little fuzzy book that uh, we I think we I don't I don't know if that's the one we did a uh, uh, read along on, but we did talk about Little Fuzzy quite a lot. So, yeah, um, by the way, I actually for Little Funny Fuzzy, we won Publishers Weekly Best Fantasy Novel of two thousand and seven for that. Oh, nice. Um, and it, it was a surprise because I was talking to the editor and he says, oh, by the way, last month we gave you this award. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> um, but I really credit that to Brian Holtzoffel who did the, um, the voice for us. He just really got into to doing the whole little fuzzy thing. And, yeah, he's, he's one of your go-to guys, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's not much better. He did, um, he did um, three Edgar Rice, or four Edgar Rice Burroughs for us. Um, he did the Caspak series, which nobody had done. Again, that's why that's we... That's the underground, uh, uh, under-the-earth um, stuff? The center of the world sort of stuff? No, that's the um, finding this ice island up with the German U-boat. Oh, um, right, right, right. That's the dinosaurs and stuff, right? Dinosaurs yeah. on the cover, anyways. Uh, maybe not on your covers, but I think... Yeah, the, it, I've never read the Caspak series, so I'll just see if i got a copy. <laughs> no. Have a they were done by with um, in movies. The first two of them were done with Doug McClure, and I, I remember seeing those. Um, but I didn't catch the whole connection. And you know, it's funny the way things get drawn in together. Um, I was out recording Michael Moorcock for the last book we did of his, and we got talking about doing the Burroughs stuff. And he had said to me, um, "Yeah, I got a kick out of writing the screenplays for that." So I had to go back and look at the credits next time, and Michael Moorcock wrote the screenplay for the movie. Wow. <laughs> uh, he wasn't happy with how the movie turned out, but he did, um, he did do that, and I'd never caught it in the credits. Um, oh. So it's funny how everything was drawn together. Um, 
to me, it just makes it an omen that we're doing the right thing. Um, I didn't even I I don't see it on the list. The the you, that's right. You did three Michael Moorcock audiobooks. Is that right? The uh, Elric have, stuff. Yeah, we have um, Elric of Melnibane, uh, which is the first one. We have Sailor on the Sea of Fate, which is the second one. Weird of the White Wolf, we've had recorded for a while, but Mike does um, write the special introduction to each one. Uh-huh. And sick for a while, and now he's actually in Europe until next month. So, yeah, there's once, something wrong with living in Texas or something. I think. <laughs> actually, where he lives is wonderful. Um, no, no, it was like bad for his health. I think I, I heard him interviewed on Starship Sofa. I think he was saying there. It's the medical care. He likes the medical care in Europe a lot. Maybe. Uh, um, but we'll do the um, we'll release Weird of the White Wolf, and then we'll um, then we'll release the other three. Um, which we'll oh yeah, release. they're on the list here. They're just Jeff West, your narrator. No, uh, Jeff West. Yeah, Jeff West. Yeah, and Scott was telling me that these were really fantastic. Um, uh, he, I think he did a review of uh, the first one, you, Eric yeah, Elric. It, it was stellar. I mean, I really appreciated it. Uh, because we put a soundtrack in the background. Yeah, and that's what that's what he was saying is is that it was it comes there's two different formats, right? There's uh audiobook plus and then there's just regular audiobook. Right. And uh, and uh, Elric's, Elric's not in both. You only get Elric and audiobooks plus. We okay. have done a lot of audiobooks plus since then. We get mixed reviews. The the real Standard audiobook people that are just that audiobooks listening to them is their whole life. That's me. A lot don't, yeah, but a lot of them don't like the music in the background. But the fans of the actual material, like Mike, uh, of Michael Moorcock material, for example, are like, "Gee, everything should be done this way." Mm. So we're kind of torn on, on what we should be doing. We have to have it like a, a optional subtitle. You know, you press the subtitles button on the video, and it pops up or not. I mean. Uh, we don't have that technology uh, with, you know, MP3 files. You know, you can't, you can't run that, but that would be the ideal solution. I was going to say, you, you're thinking audiobooks is a much bigger, co- uh, audio realms is a much bigger company than it actually is. <laughs> no, uh, you did say you had to drive to work, which, uh, or at least leave the house for work, right? So it, it's a little bigger than I thought anyways. <laughs> We um we started out um, in the breakfast nook of my house, mm-hmm. um, and then we expanded to the breakfast nook of my house and the attic of my partner's house, and then just over four years ago, um, we took over four offices here outside of town, and now we've got seven seven rooms here and a manufacturing facility. So we're not big; we're a small company with a big attitude. Probably is the best way to put it. Well, um, well, let's let's talk about distribution. I, I was asking you yesterday when we talked on the phone um, about uh, about your presence on Audible, and you said you had been on Audible a while ago. You're not on right now, but you're going to be soon. Right. We're actually um, yeah. Just before I went away, the, we got the signed contract back from Audible, putting all our material on. So we've got 61 titles going on to Audible right now. The only thing that's holding them off is Audible's new format. Um, the way they formatted everything has gone to, uh, they need square graphics, and our books look like, um, like our yeah, audio books. rectangular, are yeah. So we're just like um, converting them like mad, and we're almost halfway through them now, so I'm going to upload a lot of them tomorrow morning. Um, so within the next week or so, um, you'll be able to get our, our 
titles on Audible again. Right, right. But if I can put a plug in, mm-hmm. this is this is actually important. Um, can I orate for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, in in doing the genres that we do do. You know, we do do some public domain stuff. We do do a lot of older stuff that's not public domain that we've got rights to. And then we're working with Dorchester and doing the um, the horrors from a lot of phenomenal writers and the same thing with the paranormal romances. But what happens is, is you get somebody like Brian Keene, for example, and I, I love Brian's work. I mean, we, we, we've done four of his titles and we have another one coming out next month and a couple more coming out. A lot of that material will never get put on an audiobook because the big companies aren't going to just go and buy it all. Right. And a small company might buy one and, and, and pay a whole huge amount of money up front, not have the distribution and not get anywhere with it. So what, what we're trying to do is take those authors now, and we're, we're just adjusting things as we go, to be able to get a reasonable amount of titles out of them. But one of the key things is, is the support we get from the authors now and the fans. And, for example, we have our own download site now, uh-huh. um, the com. And what happens at the audiobookshop is you can buy an audiobook MP3 format with no DRM or anything in it for $9.95 all the time or $9.98 or whatever it is, under $10. Bucks. Um, and... We make more money on it. The author makes more money on it. So if we only sell a small amount of material, you know, because audiobooks don't sell 100,000 copies unless they're a Harry Potter or something. Yeah. But if they're only going to sell a few thousand copies, we can keep doing those ones. And if we get people buying them from our download site or from our website, where we've just dropped our pricing all down just to kind of do like a membership thing, the author makes more, we make more, and we can continue to do those. I would much prefer everybody go uh, all all MP3, just because uh, when I have something that I want to share with somebody, um, I, I don't want to have to give them my iPod, because it's hard. It's hard to you know say, here, you have my iPod for a while, and I'll have your iPod for a while, and then we'll, we'll listen, and you can listen to my stuff. I can do that with a regular book or a hard copy. Or an MP3, and I can't do that with an Audible file uh, without, you know, going and converting it, and then it's a it's a whole lot of work. Um, so yeah. I yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, in favor of, of the MP3 versions, and 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 in compensating the author for uh, the and the publisher for uh, the work they're doing. Um, but the sad reality is, Audible is. Is where when people think of audiobooks on the internet, they think of Audible, and mostly because they got so much stuff. It's just sure. it's where it's where it's where audiobooks happen, really. Um, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering, um, you know, you you were off. Why were you off for so long? Well. A lot of what was happening, and, and this is not, uh, it, it, it was based on business, not um, a strike against Audible. So please let me, before I say anything, let me say that because Audible actually is a great company. They are, they're a good company to deal with. Um, but what the thing is, is we get a, a very small percentage when we sell through Audible. It's true. Um, but by sheer volume, it makes it a reasonable amount. It's a much but, bigger market, right? 
huge. Um, I mean, it's, it's the amount that they're selling um, uh, numbers of our products. We only had six titles with them originally, and the, the amount that they were selling was huge. But w the problem was is when Audible was first, and this was when Audible was first coming out, they're trying to sell you know, the books at 30 or 35 percent off MSRP, but then all of a sudden, you know, so that's a $20, $25 audio book then, say. Yeah. Which we get a percentage out of. But then they really started pushing the uh, the membership. So now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm getting my my percentage out of um, seven forty nine. Right. Um, instead of twenty some on, I got to pay the author out of that, and it just really wasn't worth it. So we kind of that that's when we decided to start our own download site. Right. Uh, because we could still sell it for cheaper. I mean, you didn't have you don't you know when you buy it for you know from us for under ten bucks. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to do any commitments. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. So it, it makes a huge, you know, it makes a huge difference. And that's, it's getting, we're always going to sell from Audible. And, but to get the support of either A, buying it from download from the fans, and we make it worthwhile, you know, from our site, or our, our new, um, what we're working at with the authors right now is we'll be offering collector's editions off of our website for twenty four ninety five, that you'll be able to buy um, a signed copy. So for the people that like something physical, yeah, and I'm still good. at that age that I like something physical, even though I use MP3s constantly, I still love a physical piece of everything, but there'll be a, a signed piece from the author, like the first hundred pieces will be signed. Yeah, that sounds uh, good. Yeah, for those that want it. And if we could do, you know, the hundred pieces signed at a re uh, $24.95 is a reasonable price. Um, you know, even for an audiobook, regardless, signed or not, and sell another few copies off that, and, and then a reasonable amount on the download, and then build it up with everything else, then we're making a good enough living that, you know, I can buy a new car every once in a while and take them <laughs> to college. Um, and, and the authors all of a sudden are making money that's worthwhile, and so they're offering us the material rather than letting the audio go and sit with whatever publishers bought it you know, bought the rights to put it out as a paperback, but are never going to do it in audio. So author's making money, we're making money, we can keep doing those materials. I'm not going to buy the Stephen Kings. And, and no, I don't think, I don't think you have to defend your business model. I was, I was just, I was, uh, I'm not I mean, plugging it. I'm plugging it. I'm not defending it. No, no, I I, I think, th no, that's, uh, well, well, my question sounded like it was like an accusation perhaps. But the question. Why don't you take it uh, that way at all? Okay. Uh, the thing is, is I always think is you know, Audible is, is wonderful in that it it's 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 where you can go and find a lot of stuff, even stuff that isn't available anymore or um, that isn't available in hard copy. Hard copy is my preferred thing because then I I can make a copy and email it to my friend who wanted to hear something right, or I can. Uh, have my copy sitting on the shelf and delete it off my computer so I can make room for more some, something. But with Audible, you've at least got this online storage and it's stored, stored on the internet somewhere, right? But I always worry, you know, Audible's a big corporation. It could go under. What happens to all my purchases? And they're all gone, right? Um, and I've got, I've got um, uh, MP3s from you, though, you know, downloaded. If I don't have a hard copy, what am I going to do? Right. If I have a hard drive cache, what can I do? There, so there's benefits and, and detriments to all the different ways you could do it. Um, um, and I, that. What's that? Um, 
off the Audio Realm site, and we've got most of them done that way, and we're just working them through. Um, if you're a member, which is free to sign up and free to do everything else, so you can buy an MP3 CD in a DVD case with a really nice cover for nine ninety five plus shipping. Yeah, actually, no, MP3 CD has got to be my preferred way of, of having all those benefits, right? It's, it's small. It's relatively stable. I mean, I've got LaserDisc, so I know about laser, laser rot, and I assume that it, it's going to apply to modern CDs as well. But, mm-hmm. but at least that's a backup in case the hard drive fails. And, and also, you know, a lot of, they still sell them, MP3 CD players. Uh, you can put it on, you press play, and you walk away and press pause when you need to. And um, it's a good way to get a lot of listening done in a, in a very compact space. If you go into Walmart, there's, you know, 15 or 16 MP3 players or um, boom boxes, and at least 10 of them play MP3 CDs. That's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've got, I've got a, a couple in my apartment, and I use them uh, rather sparingly, because mostly they send us regular CD versions, um, mm-hmm. but I, I think there's a, a lot of merit to just playing MP3 straight off the CD into an MP3 CD player. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's not good. I, I run most mornings, and they don't work that well for that. No, you don't uh, want to be running. Good, um, even if they have a good um, pre-roll on it, they, they still don't. So I, I switch everything over to my BlackBerry, but um, I think they're the way to go. And most cars after about 2005, unless they have a really, really high-end stereo, will also play MP3 CDs. It's true. And um, that's my, where my car, for a example, lot of people so, do it. Yeah. It's um, so we've we've kind of got most of the stuff covered, um, you know. It's just it's it's what people prefer. Um, I don't see there being much hard copy five years from now. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's it, it, there are still um, companies with cassettes in stock, and I, I'm thinking they're probably not making a lot of more cassettes but they're still making cd copies and you guys still make cd copies are, are you have you got what's your distribution you, you you're distributed through dorchester their network well, is that how it works we have a funky um distribution system we're distributed um through ourselves um we the do, website we do order right and we, we do do order fulfillment for uh, a few different companies um, we sell direct to some places like Audio Editions, who puts a big catalog out and everything else. Mm-hmm. And then Dorchester has set us up all through Ingram, so we have a deal working that way okay, uh, as well. And then obviously we have Audible. Um, and Amazon, and, do you deal with Amazon as well? Amazon's been really funky for us. and that's um, We were originally in as our own vendor, and then we got in with a sales agency who put us in but they got us in wrong and then oh no when dorchester put us in um there's just there's still ramifications from two years ago from the sales agency so i'm constantly getting emails saying i'm trying to buy your product off amazon and they keep saying it's out of stock and i'm like you know if you can cancel your order from amazon terrible you know i will send it to you or you know because I don't know how to deal with Amazon, you can't pick up the phone and talk to them. Yeah, unfortunately, you can email them, and and they're good about getting back to you. But they're so big now, they'll say, "Well, we have to look at this, and we have to look at this." And all I'm saying is, "Look, while you're doing that, you've got a customer that's really annoyed." Yeah, 
They're they're yeah. really the Borg when it comes to uh, to books. You know, they 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 absorb everything, and and if you get absorbed wrong, you get put into the wrong part of the system. You'll you'll be you know, there's ten copies of the same book that none of them are available, and you say, "What's yeah. going on here?" Yeah, and we're we're we do all of our own manufacturing here, so our our material, if it's out of stock, it's only out of stock for a day or so because we've just shipped so much of it. Uh, we have oh, these two one. That's uh, that's the good thing about being small like that. You could say, "Oh, we got a customer. Let's make some." Right? <laughs> you could you say, know, "We've got customers. We... Let's make some. At least, if not one." Right? Yeah. Well, that's how it started. Um, it's not so much that way anymore. I mean, our manufacturing is pretty big. We have these two robots called Bambi and Thumper, and they <laughs> they do the printing. I can just load hundreds of CDs into them tell them what to do, and they count them, they collate them, they print on them, and then they spit them out and say, here, put them in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something, um, when we started, um, to get uh, the price of the, our first audiobook down to a reasonable price, we had to buy you know, 5000 of each disc, which was a huge amount of money back then, because CDs weren't inexpensive when we started. No. So we invested the money in a desktop publishing system instead, which was a small one at the time. But... Um, we did spend the money and then we could afford to do little bits and pieces here and there. And we were still working mostly out of my house and my partner's house. And we started getting so many orders. We were making mistakes. In the oh order no. Yeah. You don't want to do that space. That's why we moved out. And then we bought Bambi and Thumper and these things are like 40 grand a piece. I mean, they're, these are, are big industrial things and we've never looked back. You know, as far as that goes, um, we still do um, some printing for a couple of other audiobook publishers, but not a lot. Um, uh, what about what about library sales? Do you do you see any direct library sales? As, I, I, that's where I want to see more audiobooks. Is you know, I, I go to the local bookstore and I look on the shelf, and they've got a bunch of the titles that you know are currently. I don't know, popular on Oprah or whatever. And then there's a huge self-help section, which I have no interest in. But I don't see any of your titles, on, uh, at least on my Canadian book sh- bookstore bookshelf. Um, so I, I always go to the library hoping to see it, see it there. But what is the library, you know, how do you get into the library market? Um, there's a couple of different ways. We, we're in actually more libraries than you would think. It's just, but in the U.S., for example... Um, there's 15,000 public libraries, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so we might be in, you know, two or 300 of them right now. We, we get some regular orders. Um, our new deal with Ingram Publishing Services, they specialize in libraries. So we're really hoping to, to really push into the market right now, um, you know, with libraries. We actually started doing, um, we had hired somebody and we bought a mailing list and they started working on it. We were actually doing pretty well with it. But it was very labor-intensive on our end, so that's why this whole thing between Dorchester and Ingram Publishing is going to get us uh, more into the libraries. We're in downloads in the libraries with Overdrive, and actually the sales are actually fairly good. Uh, um, so what they, yeah, well, how that would work is they, they buy it for their regional district, and then uh, the customer, or not the customer, sorry, the patron then goes to their local library website and downloads, uh, downloads it through Overdrive, right, and it's got like a two-week time limit on it. When it, you know, it kind of shuts itself off or erases it or blows up your iPod, whatever it does. Yeah, basically, yeah. 
unfortunately. I mean, it's, it's actually a good system. I just don't see it. Uh, I, I don't see it lasting that much. You know, they say it's got digital rights management on it. It does. But it allows you to back yeah. it up. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, they are they have tried to modify it, making more more copies available in MP3 versus WMA format. I mean, come on. Do you know anyone who uses WMA format for anything? No. No, I think it's the uh, I think it's the most popular for porno, but that's about it. <laughs> I did not know that. Well, um, well uh, I've only heard. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, WMA is most popular for porn. I didn't know. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't. You know, know what? That might be because might, that might be because of DRM. I don't know. I I do believe uh, one of the one of the pe- one of the industries most interested in. And protecting copyright is uh, uh, pornography, mostly because um, I guess it's so pirated. I don't know. I I have no idea either. You know, I have the you know the typical every male collection of a couple little ones around because you have to have it. Um, but other than that, it's not my big thing. <laughs> changing changing the subject slightly, I'm looking at the um, the uh, the release list, and we were talking before uh, about. Prior prior to start, I was telling you about how we um, we had Fred uh, not Fred we we had Fred on this week. Um, no, we had um, Wayne Wayne June on last week, and you you told me that you had done a copy of Strange Case of Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and I I thought that was sounded right, but you told me it was done by Wayne June. Here it says it's Charles McKibben. Well, no, actually Wayne was originally going to do it for us, and ah. it was done. He sent to us. And Wayne's wanted to do some publishing on his own, so he really wanted to do that one. So I said I could get somebody else to read it. He he just did such a good job on his. I mean, he did a great job on it. Yeah, I mean Chuck did a phenomenal job too. Chuck's a different kind of reader than than Wayne. Um, I haven't heard the, I haven't heard your run, but I, I have a feeling it's around here somewhere. I think it went. I think it was in that batch that I said. Yeah, it might be that um, someone else is is sitting on it, but. Um, I do have a, a stack of your stuff here, and um, it, it, there's definitely going to be a couple I'm going to be listening to soon, including um, A Princess of Mars, I think I'm going to have to get into uh, PDQ, because there's going to be a movie, and I just got a, a copy at the local comic book store of a of a new uh, comic book adaptation of, of uh, I guess, the series called Warlord of Mars, which I guess is the re- renaming uh, to make it more... Um, more about the guy instead of the princess, right? I, this is often what happens when people start a book series is they don't realize that their title isn't perfect for, for a series-length uh, fiction rather than a, the other thing. So I think it's Warlord of Mars is, is actually Princess of Mars, just renamed. Yeah, is it? Is there another Princess of Mars coming out? I know there was one released. There's a the movie spring. version. I think they're working on a live-action movie version. Well, they they released a, a live action movie version in the spring. They did. It came out on the Sci Fi Channel. Yeah. With no. 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 I think it's a real like a high end one. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's. Uh, a, I'd be happy to see that the high end one because this one on Sci Fi. It was a typical Sci Fi one. It, it's not that it was bad. It's just it wasn't. You know, cinematic. they're never good. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Something like that. I've never yeah. seen I've never seen a good uh, sci-fi channel movie, um, but I don't. We also don't get the sci-fi channel up here, and I. Oh really? Wow. No, we get a channel called Space, which is, um, 
I stopped watching after they started showing something about the Titanic. And <laughs> yeah, I am um, because I'm a B movie nut. I do watch the Sci-Fi Channel, and sometimes I'll turn the movies off, and sometimes I'll sit and watch them just because it's a B movie, and that's all I expect out of it. Um, but you're right, you know. I actually like Sanctuary. Um, that's a I, new yeah, but th- that didn't start on Sci-Fi Channel. That started on the internet, right? I'm it's not inter- sure. Oh yeah, I always internet, start on Sci-Fi internet, Channel. It's a uh, it's an internet. Um, it was an internet TV show, um, I think done by some of the people who were on Stargate, um, and then it got picked up. I'm pretty okay. sure that worked. And yeah, I'm not saying I'm not actually saying the TV shows are bad because they 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 did produce Battlestar Galactica and it had some very excellent stuff in there, but um, they they don't do very well with their films, as far as I can tell. No, no. They, they, for the most part, they don't. There's the occasional one that's acceptable, but um, I'm a sucker for punishment, so I probably watch more than I should of them. Yeah, I, by the way, I've got this John Carter. Of, it's called John Carter of Mars. It's coming in 2012, and it's uh, produced by Disney, so it's going ah. to be uh, much bigger than the, the one we were talking about earlier. It's going to be good, then, if it's Disney. Well, presumably. I mean, it could be full of... You know, it's Disney, so it could be turned into a really a princess movie. <laughs> In which case, we we you know, it's 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 you know, they've got the black princess, they've got the Asian princess, now they've got the green princess. You know, <laughs> it could be very well done that way, but I I doubt it. Or, or Donald Duck of Mars. <laughs> Donald Duck of Mars. You know what? That no, no, I'd watch. I'd watch that one. Duck Dodgers. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> Duck Dodgers. <laughs> Actually, um, that reminds me. There was a. If you've seen Inception, there was a uh, a story on Boing Boing not that long ago about how uh, the the plot for Inception was actually done by uh, a Don in a Donald Duck comic. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and then it was it was eerily parallel. Um, and it was a starring the the Beagle Boys are trying to uh, invade uh, Scrooge McDuck's brain using. Uh, his dreams to steal his um, his combination to his uh, his lock uh, to his giant vault. You know he lives in a vault yeah. and to get steal all his money. And it was it was eerily bin. similar. His money bin. Yes, his yep. money bin. That's right. Actually, I have to relate something. You you bring that up. Um, Scrooge McDuck. The very first audio book I ever listened to was a Scrooge McDuck story and what? with Donald Duck. It was on an LP. Ah, and the second one I ever listened to was a guy named Stanley Holloway doing um, little horror ditties that my father had bought. And I was probably only about seven or eight years old, maybe nine. Um, but they were on LP. My dad apparently still has them. Cool. Uh, but those were my, my first audiobooks. Well, um, they might be in the public domain now. Find out <laughs> if it's Disney. If you, no you told me you were extremely old, so. You know, everything everything prior to 1923 is public domain. <laughs> including my birthday. Just kidding. <laughs> Some days I just feel older than others. Now, <laughs> um, when two kids in college was a, was enough to make me feel old. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. But well, that's okay. Are, are they are they uh, graduated or are they still in? Uh, my son has got another three semesters, but he took a year off because he 
wanted to do computer science all his life. And then he did two years of it and all of a sudden decided he didn't think he wanted to do that anymore. So he switched to biology, but he's running straight A's right now. This is his first semester back. Um, He's 21. My daughter just started college this year. She's 18. Um, But she shows horses, so it's like having three kids in college. Oh, yeah, definitely. So buy audiobooks. Yes. we got to put these kids through uh, college and feed that horse. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got to keep it in hay. Yeah, I, I every once in a while will look at it and go, so, you're my new car. Yeah. <laughs> well, when the apocalypse comes, you'll be glad you, you bought all that hay. I guess. <laughs> horse Horses are the new green. <laughs> the new green automobiles. You know, I wouldn't trade it. I, I wouldn't trade the horse for anything because it's been so good for my daughter. Oh, really? My niece uh, is really into horses, uh, and she wants yeah, look, she wants to she, get she one. Grew, but. She grew up with a father who was into you know science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and his computer screens always got like these horror covers and everything else. She needs something a little more normal in her life. Right. Um, yeah, we've got that, and actually, I, I could mention this if I can make a plug in there. Sure. Uh, with all of our new stuff, we're trying to work back with our old stuff. With all the new stuff, we're, we're um, going to, um, between darkrealmsaudio.com, darkdesires.audio, uh, yeah, darkrealmsaudio.com, darkdesiresaudio.com, and audio realms, we give away the first chapter of everything now. And actually, if they're short chapters, we give away two or three. So any of our new titles, you can go and, and for free download you know, 30 to 40 minutes of audio. That's great. Uh, so you can get an idea of what we are. So yeah, I'd love to put in a plug for that. You know, give us a listen so you, you can see the you know the quality and the love that we're putting into this. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.